The professional interests and personal priorities of our hosts result in regular child development coupled with educational and brain learning conversations. Join in as Dr. Larry Mercer and Michelle Charles bring their expertise before the microphone as part of an ongoing dialogue between this father and daughter duo on Let's Build Their Brain. A rocky start can make for a less than ideal tone for the entire day for an adult. I think that's even more so true for little ones. As we think about the start of a school year and school days, as much as possible, we want to set our kids up for success. Now, I know reality is that hurried and stressful starts will happen from time to time, even with the most diligent of preparations and planning. As we mentioned in a previous episode, there are things that we cannot control. But when it comes to those things we can control, we want to do things that will make for a strong start. I think that many times we've looked at people and maybe even thought of ourselves, whether or not we got out of bed on the wrong side. But they just got it started all wrong. And in the same way, it's important for children to be able to start the day in such a way that people will look at them and say, well, what side of the bed did they get out today? So I think it's really the way we start off. And I think really what we'll find is that we have a lot more control than we realize if we are intentional. That's the word we use a lot. If we're intentional in terms of how we guide and direct the life of the children that God's put in our care. We're going to again try to cover three broad categories in today's episode. What is one way or one thing that we can do to provide a strong start for our child? You know, we, I've been using the R word a lot during our conversations recently. I'm going to pick back up today's conversation again with an R word. And I would say that one of the most powerful things we can do is make sure that our children have routines in their lives. Routines really make up about 50% of our decisions of the day. And without those routines, our brains will be literally overwhelmed. Really, our brain saves energy because of the routines we use. It's really important for children to have routines in their lives as well. Are you surprised to hear what I'm saying so far about the brain and its impact on routines? Well, it, it shouldn't be surprising. It shouldn't be surprising. I mean, I think about, I guess, just driving. There's probably so much of routines and patterns if someone's driving to work or a familiar path to a grocery store or different tasks. I would think a lot of that is built on routine, signaling and turning the steering wheel. A lot of that is probably some muscle memory type routines that people have. The reality about it is that 40% of every decision we make every day is made out of habits, prior routine. Routines are really critical. And what happens is, think about a child, for example, that's playing with building blocks. There's a pile of blocks. The child starts building the, the building blocks. They form some, some type of structure. And really, what's happening during the course of that time is the, the prefrontal cortex, the front part of the brain is involved in that. They're building one block at a time. And what happens is, then all of a sudden, when they get the praise from the parent, then what occurs, that moves from the prefrontal cortex to another part of the brain, a small part called the basal ganglia. That's the part where habits are are stored. And that's where our routines are stored. And what happens is, in the life of a child, they see a trigger, they experience a trigger. But what happens is, they, they start, the brain retrieves the pattern, and they start with a routine. And that's why routines are critical predictable, it gives a child a sense of security, 
a sense of safety. So it's important to have routines in the life of, of a child. It's kind of a, a key that helps the brain not get overwhelmed during the course of a particular day. So I would say having good routines are really, really critical in the life of a child. Uh, if I were to challenge you with just us thinking back and forth about, again, what do you think routine to do in the life of a child? Let's talk about it a little bit. What, what, what benefit do you think a child would have from routines? Huge benefits as far as making things, they know what's coming. It's not the unexpected. In fact, I'm thinking about my little guy and part of the morning routine to now where it's it's pretty much habit for him of knowing, okay, I got up, I need to go to the restroom and there are some personal care things I need to take care of. And then I can start thinking about or asking about breakfast or different things like that. So it's not a battle as much. They know, oh, this is what's going to happen. Let me go ahead and take care of that myself. I don't even need to come ask. I can do that for myself. It was important there's good routines and still good habits in a child. In the same way, bad routines establish unhelpful routines in life with a child. So good routines are important. They give a child a sense of stability, security, safety. They help them with emotional and cognitive development. So routines are really, really critical. But I want to underscore good routines for early getting out of bed on the wrong side. If a child starts the day with a habit of uh, the first call out of bed, instead of getting up, the child says, no, I'm not going to get up. And they drag out of the bed. And they have a bad attitude or attitude that's not focused in a positive way. And the parent allows that to happen. If that becomes a consistent response to the mom's call or the dad's call to get up, then that routine doesn't set the child up for success. So good routines are a critical part of helping a child get started off. And I would just think about something I know that I have become aware of and that can help with the child as well is the parent's routines. Me making sure that I've given myself some extra time to get up and get going so I'm not feeling as flustered when I am waking him up or trying to get him going and giving us a little bit of a cushion of window. If some mornings it takes a little bit longer to wake up if the child doesn't naturally get up on their own. So I think the adult needs to be aware of having some routines for themselves. Let me go ahead and get one, two, three done for myself. So then I do have some time to help remind my child or walk them through what needs to happen so that they can successfully get up and start the day. Of course, we, we talked about a lot. The, the child is watching the parents. So you've heard me use these phrases before that we speak more powerfully with our life than our lips. So a parent that's encouraging a, encouraging a child to be diligent, and punctual and consistent and a parent who's not there with themselves, and it's hard for that child to reconcile what they see with what they're being asked to do. So it's really important for a parent to model the kind of behavior that they expect from their child. I guess a common thread of what I hear happening or what I hear you saying is you're creating a calm, a supportive environment so that the kid has predictability because they know the routine. It's not a hopefully a yelling, screaming, get up, hurry, we're late kind of a thing every day, but there is a calm and supportive environment that is then setting their day up to be have a calmer start to the learning that will happen in the school setting. Because if the child leaves home and they're going to school anxious, then unfortunately when they walk in the classroom for the first few moments, they're still calming down, they're still getting settled that means they're starting off on the wrong foot, so to speak. And if the teacher is insensitive or not sensitive as he or she should be, 
the teacher may contribute to keeping that going because they may not let the child have the time they need just to get their get the rhythm straight. So yes, it's critically important that the parent help the child get off to a good start because as we talked about many, many times, what's occurring is that anxiety is kind of impacting literally the brain architecture, causing the child to develop some patterns and habits that can follow them for many, many years. So yes, it's critical that a consistent routine is established. So we have a routine in place. That's one of the areas we want to make sure that we pay attention to for that strong start. What's another way that we want to help prepare a child for a strong start? Well, can I say a little bit more about a routine? Yes, definitely. I think that one of the things I've observed that you do with little one, uh, little man, is that you, because when he's over at our place, he wants to listen to a song mm-hmm. when he goes to bed. That's kind of a, a routine, kind of a ritual, really, that you established. Very positive yeah. ritual that you established that helps him. And you know, there's a sense in which that's what he expects. And if, if we don't do that, then it doesn't go quite as well. So it's important. And it's, what I've noticed is that you're using that to help them learn new things as well. Tell me a little bit about how, how did they get started? Or have you seen that be effective in the past? Well, I think it's been um, often frequently, I mean, even before he was verbal and able to request songs that I would use music, knowing that it's just something that can be calming and soothing. But having that is helpful. I think the main thing I would say is the calming down. I'm laying here, I have something to listen to, or sometimes it's something to sing with. So that is helpful in creating the also, okay, the music started. I may not be in bed and under the covers yet, but oh, I know the music started. So let me go ahead and get in bed. Let me go ahead and get under the covers. I think that's a good connection to that routine aspect. And I think you bringing that up, not only the start of the day, but the end of the day routines can help to set the right tone for the next day. So whether it's the morning routines, but also those bedtime and evening routines are really important to set the whole tone for the child's experience during the next day. I mentioned earlier that without routines, our brains will be overwhelmed. What literally happens is when music starts playing before he goes to bed, literally the little brain says, okay, we're about ready to go to sleep. And there's a process that's going on in the child's mind and subconscious mind was beginning to set that child up, maybe to move to the next phase of a restful night's sleep. So it's really a very powerful thing because the brain then begins to adjust and they set them up for success. So I really want to commend you. And I think it's a great idea what you're doing. By the way, I just I just love, I just love hearing him sing along with the music. There's something about that sweet, tender voice that, that melts my heart. It is fun and enjoyable to see. I know in in other episodes, we've talked about calming down, music being a good strategy for that. And so I think there's probably some natural carryover for that that's happening in the evening time, whether it's anxious moments or even just a, a good day that was full of fun, but there's still a need to transition and relax into a restful mode. We've talked about a parent routine. I think that what a good routine for a parent is when you see a child cooperating, and uh, doing what you ask the child to do before bedtime, a good routine would be to to praise and affirm that cooperative behavior. That's a good routine for a parent. It helps uh, reaffirm, it helps encourage the child to do the right thing because every child wants to do the praise of their, of their parent or loved one. So that routine is both modeling and also in listening, the kind of response you want for the child 
as a regular point of view. What other areas do you want to highlight for us when it comes to preparing our child for a strong start? I think being able to consistently identify teachable moments where you're just kind of being paying attention to the body language, doing things that help you understand and recognize the kind of things that we want to see our child do as a routine part of their life. You as a, as a parent or a caregiver, identifying uh, those teachable moments where you say, that, I really appreciate uh, what you just did. Think, boy, that's great. You follow through as we talked about. I think that's wonderful. You identify those teachable moments that begins, gives you an opportunity to affirm the appropriate behavior, affirm the appropriate attitude. And that sets that child up for success because the child wants praise. So as you identify those teachable moments where you take that moment, you say, uh, you know, we've talked about this several times and it looks like you're having a hard time going to bed at the 8.30 hour or the 8 o'clock hour, whatever you choose. We may need to start a little bit earlier. But what you're doing is you're using a teachable moment to teach a valuable lesson in the life of the child. So I would say identifying, grasping, and uh, capturing teachable moments. An idea came to mind, or really an experience actually today came to mind. I haven't always captured the moments, but today I think I actually did it right as far as capturing this moment in the grocery store. You know how you get those produce bags. And it takes some time to open that. My guy likes to open the produce bags. At times, the bag becomes kind of like a little parachute thing filling with air and different things. So it's like, okay, it really is faster for me to just open the produce bag. But he enjoys helping with that. And and today was one of those days where thankfully I was attuned to that. He opened the bag. There was some extra flops to get the bag full of air. But we got the produce. And then there was, I got three of the items and I put them in the bag and I gave it to him and he had opened another bag for me and I said oh I need to get three more and here he helped put one bag in the basket he talked about oh if I have three in the first one and I have three in this one how many are there so it wasn't it's not always done right but even something as simple as being at the store I was able to tap into some number processes with him as he was doing that he, he likes to help he was excited to help would it have been faster to do it myself? Yes. But was I able to empower him and make him feel good? And then at the same time, add a little academic into it? I was. So not just bedtime, I would think, but also throughout the day. And I know from mom and you modeling this is making, I mean, your whole life is a teachable moment. I would encourage as you think about finding those teachable moments, whether it's at home at bedtime in the morning with breakfast and getting out the door or even routines just around the community like grocery shopping you know I'm, I'm so struck by the fact that we have so many opportunities as part of routine of our lives to turn those into moments where we affirm we encourage and we use those moments to help children understand how to be successful in life and we oftentimes miss those spontaneous moments because those sometimes are the most powerful ones because they're moments that are tied to our emotions and we know from brain research that learning that's attached to emotions sticks a lot more than just road information. So I, I think he'll, he'll probably, when I ask him about how his day went, we, when we, if we were to talk later today, I think he may, he may even tell me about what happened in the grocery store. I'm not sure. It depends on just how, how meaningful that was to him. So routines, real-time teachable moments. And what would be a final area that we want to be aware of and mindful 
as we help our child prepare to be successful in the school context? Well, we, you know, we talked about earlier the routines of predictability, and I would say I'll give you one R, one R, that is give that child a reliable workspace. Give them a, a prepared environment to learn in. Uh, children are really easily distracted, so it's really important that the environment helps promote learning. An environment that's got good lighting, an environment that's, that's not so cluttered that you can't learn, an environment that's comfortable. Those are things that are very important. Give the child a, a workspace that they can sit down at, whether it's on the floor, at a desk, or about making sure you give intentionality to that space for a child. Making it so that I notice when I've been visiting you at your home, I look on the wall and there are visual things on the wall that relate to learning. The alphabets or numbers on the wall, the beautiful images on the wall. I like going into his room because it seems like a cool place to be. It's cool too. It's not just good for learning. It's a cool place to be. It's got a it's got a basketball goal in there. He can play, shoot the hoops, and you know, I think I can see how he can really get. You have to be careful. He say, "Go to your room." He may say, "Great." <laughs> It's a great place to be. So I guess that balance between a place that is fun and also a place that's set up for learning. So the environment, giving the child uh, a well-lit, well-organized, comfortable workspace that they can prepare themselves for for school. Even having a few books in the room that can reinforce the learning. That makes me think back to your comment as we started this conversation about, really, I was thinking about there's not a lot we can control or we can't control everything. And you communicated there is a lot that we can control. And having this discussion is a good reminder of there are lots of things we can do in simple yet meaningful ways to support our child and their learning. Those routines, real-time teachable moments, and reliable workspaces. I think we all, with a little intentionality, can be very mindful to make sure that those things are in place for the people, the young people, even the older people in our lives that we love and care for. You know, it's interesting. I, I, what I like about what we're talking about is this is something that a person can do uh, no matter what your income level is. You don't have to be wealthy to do the things we're talking about. You don't have to be wealthy to be sensitive to routines. You don't have to be wealthy or educated to be sensitive to making sure you capture teachable moments. And you don't have to be wealthy to make sure the child has a, a comfortable, uh, clean, decluttered, well-lit place to sit down and learn. Because that's what you want. By the way, you're teaching them not only about themselves and, and learning, but you're teaching them about life as well. Well, let's share our practical and ethical ways to grow brains as we wrap up this time together. Do you have a brain-friendly food you want to highlight for us today? I would say berries, berries, berries. I kind of like blueberries, but berries. They're a very, very well-regarded brain food. They contain nutrients that help with memory and learning. They have the ability to stimulate the production of new brain cells, they increase what we call brain plasticity. Eating berries is a very powerful thing and, and they're fun too. I'm sure that the bite size, you can put them in a small portion. So I'd say make sure your life, your child's life is full of berries, strawberries, blueberries, all kinds of berries in the life of a child. They can be good as part of a meal and also good as a part of a snack. Okay. What would be a good phrase or conversation if a child is having a hard time transitioning from summer mode into back to school mode before we get into a phrase i think it's really really important that parents really intentional during the summer bedtimes tend to be a little more 
lenient, more relaxed, getting up times it tends to be a little more lenient, more relaxed, and it would be a good thing to do. Kind of phase, slowly, slowly uh, phase it in so that if your child's been gone to bed at, going to bed at, at 8.30 in the summer, you may want to start a few weeks before the summer ends, uh, gradually getting them reacclimated to a different kind of time frame, getting up a little bit earlier, spending a little more time on focus things rather than informal things. So I think parents can be sensitive to how they make the child adjust by being intentional with phasing things in. But I think something like we've had a great summer. We want to also enjoy the school year, but our schedule needs to be a little bit different so you do best. In other words, affirming and celebrating what they enjoyed in the summer. We're helping them understand that they're moving into another phase of the year and it calls for a different set of routines, a different set of habits, a different set of patterns. That's a great way to teach them and also have a conversation with them as well. You're pretty sharp. What have you been doing? As you, I know we're getting ready to move out of the summer. I guess literally we're out of the summer. What are some of the things you've been doing to prepare a little one for the next phase? Well, very similar to what you were saying. is like it's it's a school time. Our schedule is going to be a little bit different. We need to, to make that transition. Conversations really similar to what you just said, preparing for Santa okay, we hadn't been adhering to bedtime in quite the same way. So you can expect now that we're going to be getting to bed earlier than you might anticipate. Even some of the things with technology, there's a little more time for screens during the summer. So we've been reining that back in of realizing, okay, it won't be to the same level now that we're back into school mode at this point. I've always admired your intentionality. I think it's really, really positive. Well, for a fun activity, I don't know if fun is the best word, but definitely practical. And right along the lines with routines, laying out clothes the night before, labeling school supplies the days before leading up to, and allowing your child to participate in that could be a way to engage your child in the back to school process and preparation and have some of those dialogues while you're doing that. Oh, you know, we're figuring out which clothes we might wear on which days, or we're labeling these folders and supplies because it's back to school time. Would be a way to engage your child in the process and allow for some good conversation to prepare them. Any closing thoughts you have, Dad? A word we've used a lot in our conversation is the word being intentional, being intentional because if you're able to establish healthy uh, routines and you're able to be tuned in to the real-time teachable moments in the, in the life of your child, if you're able to set up just a reliable, predictable space for them to learn in, you are very powerful and you can make a powerful difference by doing those things to help your child get set up for success. But give yourself some grace. Uh, it's give yourself some grace. Don't be too hard on yourself. Just be intentional. And as you do that, I think you'll find that your child will be able to glean from your insights, your routine, and get off to a very good start. Well, join us next time for more information in Brain Building. Please follow or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Stay connected with Let's Build Their Brain via Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok at Let's Build Their Brain Pod and on Twitter at Build Their Brain. Thank you for checking back with us each Monday for a new episode. We hope you leave each podcast with practical and applicable suggestions to aid your endeavor of building the brains of the ones you love. 
Until next time, let's build their brain. Thank you.